Emily. Caitlin. What is the best sound effect that you could make on a podcast? <laughs> Good. I'm, first thing that came to mind. I don't know what exactly that would be a sound effect for. The wind. But that is a, the best that I could do spontaneously sure do you have one no and this has nothing to do with our release today except for the fact that i winked at emily and made a sound when i did it and i thought is that the way that you show that someone's winking on a podcast is you make a little clicky sound i don't know where that came from it just felt like the right like thing to do sometimes you just gotta go with it yeah you just gotta feel it mm -hmm. you know what else that you should go do what vote oh good one thank you thank you way to bring it back y'all it's the end of october yeah and that means election is happening now now early voting's happening now it, absolutely and uh, it's important it is important and you should go do it i'm not going to tell you who to vote for one Never. i don't know where you are and <laughs> who's on your ballot i don't so know very hard where or who you are or what is in your best interest exactly <laughs> but do the research Go vote. Incredibly important. I have heard, but I feel like they do say this a lot, so I don't want anybody to get cocky, but that like midterm election turnout and, and registrations are at an even all-time high. But I do feel like they say this every time, but maybe we just keep outdoing ourselves, and it's good. It's never good enough, though, guys. Go. Go faster. I know. I don't understand. I understand that... Here's the thing. I understand that there are barriers to entry for a lot of people. Okay. And I believe that we should all do everything that we can to help those people break through those barriers. For anyone that is capable and can easily vote, I do not understand why you would not. Well, at this point, too, it used I understood when it was just the one day and it was a Tuesday. And, like, that's hard. I mean, if you have the ability, you still should. But now with like the 10 day early vote, everybody's different. Texas makes it real hard, you guys. And we they've still given us a pretty big window. So you can still show up and do all of the things. And there's many voting guides available on the Internet. I get stressed out every time that I'm going to show up and I have prepared for the wrong ballot. <laughs> It is really hard to figure out what your ballot is. <laughs> That's really is. funny. I get a little stressed out that I'm not, and I and they don't let you take your phone in, so you got to write it down. But I do all of it, and I stress myself out a little bit, and I found my favorite voting place. They are older people running my a lot of Austin uh, voting places, and I'm so grateful to them. And they're so sweet, and they thank you for coming, and it's a good time. And then go get yourself a treat. I love well, that. Go vote. Get a big gulp or a, thanks a, the people that are volunteering there. Yeah. And then go buy yourself a present. Yeah. Later in life, I might do that. Me too. I think it would be not hard, first off. And I'm trying to think like what a negative experience, like most people that have shown up to vote, like feel okay about it. Like it's not a negative, like a uh, con conflict, contradiction kind of a place. Like people yeah. aren't going to yell at you. Right. I'm sure somebody has found a way to yell at you. Oh, at a of voting course, booth. because but people have feelings sure. and they get upset. About and they them. do get nervous because like if you show up and like you're not registered or your ID is wrong or you like I just there there's I'm sure there are stressful situations, but people are there to do a civic duty. And I just would imagine it's a very fulfilling experience. And someday I would like to do it. Speaking of civic duty. Yeah. You know what there's not enough of? Civic leaders on TV. Oh, you got it. <laughs> excellent, excellent job. I knew the transition. I'm really excited about today's release. 
which is called Not Another Bleep Politician, New Civic Leaders on TV, presented by, guys, bear with me, Civic Leadership Stories Project and Center Reach. And the reason I'm really excited about this is prior to being introduced to Will Jenkins, who's one of the moderators on this panel who represents the Civic Leadership Stories Project, I had no idea that it existed, nor should the general public, to be honest. But in the way that we do a lot of socially aware panels with a lot of partners and talk about representation, and we often talk about how many different types of representation there could be more of and more accurate, and it all makes a difference. I had never thought about this very specific one, which is positive civic leaders on TV and varied civic leaders. So there's the obvious ones like the West Wing and Madam Secretary and anybody that has honestly even like 24 like mm-hmm. anything that has a president or a very powerful political leader. But this was put into the context of the PTA, mm-hmm. uh, Parks and Recreation, Abbott Elementary, and the idea that all of that has an effect on your day-to-day civic life and seeing people in civic leadership roles. You had the really the memory of the good one with parenthood, mm-hmm. where not only does Monica Potter run for city council, mayor, uh oh, mm-hmm. uh, one, one of those, those two things. things. Yep. She also then starts a school. Or yes. Tries to start a school. Start she does. They start starts a school. Yep. Great guys, I'm doing great. <laughs> um, but all of those things are showing what people in their everyday life could be civically engaged with. Um, and I think having those representations in broad and varied ways is super cool to maybe actually make an impact on our. It sometimes just seems so big. You often talk about what can we do and some problems seem so giant and like what is an everyday thing you can do to make a difference voting is one um but participating in all of these different ways in the system I just think is a really cool thing and so I really like this organization it's very cool and their mission to really get these stories on TV. I think we saw how important it was when we were trying to put this panel together and realizing the lack of representation in, you've already said this, but in a positive way that it's not the crooked politician or it's not the, uh, that's the central theme that this character is the president or the mayor or whatever that might be saving the world in 24. Um, But that there are ways that just everyday people can, be involved and be civic leaders and to just kind of put that perspective out into the world so that children growing up right now can see how they can be involved in making the world a better place. Would the superstore storyline of unionizing be one? I would say yes. I would think so too. See, when you think about it, you can find some other ones. We did have, uh, we of course were, really working to have Abbott Elementary, which was the darling of the summer and now post Emmys, the Mm. darling of everyone's just, it's so great. My heart, the darling of my heart, the darling of my heart. But I think now that it's opened my eyes to what it is, it was the idea also of what is current versus past and all of the ways to have the representation. So it was really great because we did have Will Jenkins, as we mentioned from civic leadership stories project and Candace McFarlane from center reach moderating. And they brought in an actual civic leader 
Pooja Sethi, who's the chief of staff in the Texas House of Representatives, which I thought was very cool. It's very cool. Uh, (laughs) Definitely one of the biggest celebrities that we've had in a way that this person is out doing real work and fighting for our rights, especially as Texans. It's so neat. And then Paula Weissman, who is the lead researcher on this project, and they've got a great report out, and we'll have a lot of... um, assets to share with that and then we added melvin marr who we've been trying to get to the festival for a very long time and now will be coming every year but he's an executive producer of speechless and fresh off the boat and they just have a really interesting engaging conversation and i think now more than ever is such a great time to release it so that like we said go vote uh, so uh my name is candace mcfarland from Cinereach, as kate mentioned and uh, I run what's called the Cinereach Workshop. Cinereach is a production company that has produced lots and lots of stuff and won lots of awards, but that is not why we're here. Part of my job, one of the things I'm most excited about is I get to produce content, but more importantly, I get to champion and support programs that help content creators tell new narratives, emerging stories, and so on. One of the projects I'm most excited about is called the Civic Leadership Stories Project created and run by Will Jenkins. And so I'm thrilled to be here with him to talk about it. Good to see you all. My name is Will Jenkins. I've worked in government for a while in uh, the Congress in DC and also in the Obama administration, working at Health and Human Services in the White House the last few years. And during, during that time, I've also worked with a lot of storytellers, both film and TV, who were trying to tell stories about how government works, how democracy works, doesn't work, uh, and to, to help them understand these, these systems so that they can tell better stories, that, that the public can better understand how they can engage and take leadership. So the, the Civic Leadership Stories Project uh, that we, we've been talking about helps script writers and content creators discover new stories. We feel like there's so many stories about civic leaders out there that can be told, uh, about people who are shaking up how things get done. Uh, we've got a lot of resources, we've got a story library, workshops for storytellers, uh, and story consulting that, that we offer, drawing on the network of uh, thousands of civic leaders all around the country, uh, and we'll, we'll hear some of those stories today. One of the reasons we're here with this illustrious panel that you will be introduced to momentarily is we all know we're in an urgent moment, right? There's crisis everywhere, and whether you're scrolling through your Instagram feed, you're watching the news, whatever it is, good leadership can feel like it's hard to find. When we lean into entertainment, sometimes it can seem even more daunting when we watch stories that perpetuate the kinds of leadership that we don't need right now. So we're really excited to have this conversation about how we can rework that narrative with this amazing panel. So we know from research that entertainment media portrayals can influence how audiences think about democracy and politics and policy issues. Uh, So we wanted to find out what kind of stories are being told and that's something that Paula is gonna talk about uh, very soon. And this is not about necessarily political shows, just to be clear. There are so many stories that take place in all kinds of shows that have um, a civic angle. There are so many inspiring stories ready to be told. Some have already been told, so our panelists will discuss that. Yeah, so we're gonna get started, introduce our panelists. Uh, could each of you, we'll just go down here, starting with you, Pooja, could you uh, quickly introduce yourself and then also tell us why you think stories about civics and democracy are so important right now? Yes, hi. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Pooja Sethi. I am <clears throat> currently Chief of Staff to Representative Vicki Goodwin over here at the Texas State Capitol. Um, these stories are very important. I didn't grow up with in a political family. I didn't grow up talking about civic engagement in my house. And um, 
you know, just through a lot of my own research, having to go out there and being in a lot of spaces, which we'll talk about later, um, where I was not always welcome and push, you know, kind of placing myself there. Um, I, I have the job I have now, and uh, it's a job that voices are needed, more diverse voices are needed, and more people are, um, more people who look like me need to start being in these spaces because that's the only way to really get a democracy where, where it looks like the population. I also want to say that I see a lot of orange out there, and I think that's wonderful. Today is National Gun Violence um, Awareness Day, and uh, wear orange, so. And I went to Syracuse, and I see that too, so thank you. <laughs> Paula Weissman. I'm an academic. I'm from American University from our Center for Media and Social Impact, uh, which also um, has the Civic Stories Project. And I do a lot of different types of research. I do um, audience research to develop communication campaigns. So a lot of my background has actually been in health communication and trying to actually kind of motivate people towards healthier behaviors, which actually can be very difficult, right? Because uh, it's hard to change your behavior, we know that. And there are just so many different ways to actually change behavior. Uh, sometimes we have to work at the individual level, sometimes we work at the social level to change social norms, and then sometimes we have to work at the community level and structural around policy. And so um, entertainment education is a technique uh, within that space and within social marketing for other types of social cause related work, social change in general. And the research literature is really very strong uh, that it works because if you can imagine, you know, you're watching TV and you see like your traditional PSA, right? That kind of tells you what to do. Um, instead, we can actually have messages inside programming and people get transported into the narrative. There's actually theories around this called transportation theory. Um, and the story itself, it becomes more memorable to people. Um, they sometimes are more persuaded. And especially for adolescents and younger adults who can be resistant because they're in that period of time in their life where they want to have a lot of autonomy, um, it can be better to kind of go that route um, so I'm very excited to talk about our project here today, and I will pass it to my fellow panelists. Hi, I'm uh, the least academic of the bunch. Um, <laughs> my name is Melvin Marr. I produce TV shows and movies. Uh, and I, I, I think that um, the stuff I work on, the medium I work in, is a reflection of society. So um, we have to participate in that, you know? and. I'll jump on to what you were saying. Like, I've found that most people, and I, I work in the comedy space a lot, people tend to listen when they're comfortable. And when you're laughing, you're probably the most comfortable. And um, I found that, you know, uh, really helpful in, you know, putting a message in shows that I've worked on, like, you know, Fresh Out the Boat or Speechless. And, and um, you know, I've actually had people come up to me afterwards and say, I, I didn't know that about like the AAPI community or whatever you know whatever and it only happens when people are comfortable and listening and we have that responsibility I think in case you missed it he said fresh off the boat shows he's thank you shows he's worked on so today at ATEX we are going to preview some new research uh, that we've been doing and I'm going to turn it over to Paula to to explain that now Great, and we can start with the first slide up there, if you will, on the presentation. Um, actually, I'm sorry, it must be the one before. It just has a report cover, it's pink. 
And there, there we go. Okay, so that's the title of our study that's coming out. Uh, the official study will not be released until June 13th at a very exciting event in, in Los Angeles, a, a democracy summit that uh, Michelle Obama will actually keynote at. Uh, so I'm not going to be giving detailed findings today because we're not going to get ahead of that, but I have a lot of um, insights that I can share with you about the major patterns that I think would probably be of most interest to people here. Uh, but if you can see our methodology, it was a content analysis, and it's a social science technique, and we train individuals to use very specific instructions and protocols uh, to look for pieces of content in a body of content that we're interested in. And we do it in a way where we train people, uh, we assess it for reliability because we want the coding to be consistent. And this really, this study, uh, was unprecedented in terms of the topic we're looking at is newer. Um, I think maybe there was one or two studies possibly before. Uh, but then also just the scope of it. We looked at 658 uh, episodes. And so that was about half of the entertainment TV programming uh, that aired in 2020. And we also looked at all types of content, so scripted content, unscripted content, and we looked across broadcast, cable, and streaming originals. Uh, so we have a lot of really fascinating data. Um, we looked at different things, and you can see probably by the title of our report, uh, we say that we're looking at civic leaders, and we also say we're looking at civic engagement. And so we looked at a specific set of civic leaders uh, we decided we wanted to content analyze how often um, candidates running for political office, elected officials, and government, the kind of non-elected government officials, uh, appeared. And we were interested in that because these are the, the people, right, that are really kind of running our government. Uh, we wanted to see, you know, what do they look like? Um, what are their character attributes? Uh, what types of things do they work on? And we didn't find a lot of these types of characters across the shows, but we found some. What we did find is we tried to do a little bit of comparison. So how often do they show up to other types of characters? And we found that, and probably won't surprise uh, some of us, that we tend to see law enforcement all the time, um, police officers, attorney generals, etc., the justice system. Um, military, uh, but we don't see a lot of these other, you know, civic leaders who are really kind of doing the, the business uh, to kind of keep our country running. And so that was one takeaway that there's just what we think is some underrepresentation there. Um, the other thing that we noticed is overwhelmingly across all the different types of shows we looked at, um, when we did see civic leaders, they were primarily white men. So another kind of key insight we took from that is really, you know, what kind of messages do we get over time as viewers when we see, you know, well, you know, maybe I don't see myself, right, um, reflected. And we, of course, want people to get involved and we need to diversify the leadership. Uh, so another key insight we have there too is we really would love to start seeing programming that you know, has characters that kind of more reflect the diversity of the country. And we know, based on scientific research, that when trying to persuade people to do something new, engage in a behavior, um, we call this, it relates to social modeling theory, but essentially, we're more likely to do something if we see someone like us do it, right? That probably just makes intuitive sense to all of us. Um, and so it is very important from that aspect as well, too. 
So the other types of things we looked at was civic engagement. We wanted to find out what about citizens, everyday citizens, what are they doing to actually engage? And so we coded for all types of behaviors. And the definition of civic engagement that we used in the literature is that it could be any type of individual or collective action that specifically is directed towards trying to do something to improve our communities, um, our public life, um, to address social issues of concern. And so some of the behaviors we were code for would be anything from you know, writing a letter to your congressperson, to starting a petition online, um, to volunteering at a homeless shelter. Uh, so coded for all those types of things, and we also coded for some conversations about social issues of concern. And so if we go to the next slide, I'm going to just kind of talk through a couple examples to kind of give you a sense. And so um, during the coding, it's probably not going to surprise you that we didn't see a lot of civic engagement or civic leaders, but certainly some. Um, and what we did is we also tried to pick out shows we had our coders identify when shows actually had civic engagement or some type of a theme related to civics that was really like the main driving narrative and it was really wrapped into the narrative. And so we have um, some shows here from the, the neighborhood, a couple episodes came up and um, I won't go into too much detail, but in one particular uh, episode, they are trying to solve a community problem. They have a speed bump in this predominantly black community and the neighbors feel it's dangerous for the children. Uh, there is a character in there, um, he is a white man, and he works with the neighbors because they want to do a petition uh, to actually get this fixed. They work with their city council, so we get those representations that we were all coding for there. And um, essentially, his neighbors tell him, like, look, you know, you might not be the person who should go to the door uh, because people might be a little bit suspicious. And so um, a couple next door, a black couple, they are very friendly with this other character and they kind of help out and they succeed and they get this petition um, in and the signatures and um, this character walks away saying, you know, I, I'm really encouraged along the lines of getting in, involved in civics before it was kind of an experience. And then, you know, another episode, he actually takes that forward and he runs for elected office. And there's an interesting interchange there because he's running against another candidate. And the other candidate is considered to be kind of like the type of candidate who's like a little bit more flashy and doesn't really talk about the issues. And this particular character really kind of wants to talk about issues that they're facing around zoning and, and different types of, of things. And so, you know, this character um, who we would want to win, who wants to dig into the issues, does not win. Um, but at the end, his friend tells him, like, look, you still made a difference, right, by doing this and talking about the issues. And so we just thought that these were great episodes uh, because, you know, it's individual action, it's collective action being modeled there. Uh, we had some real positive portrayals, right, of uh, these characters who are trying to get involved to change their communities. Um, what I would say is that one thing that's a little bit unfortunate is that these types of stories where it's really wrapped into the storyline and the narrative, they don't happen as often as we would like to. Um, what we tended to see is we tended to see more instances of civic engagement and civic content when it comes up. It's just in the background. So maybe a couple is walking through a park 
and they get in an argument and the focus is on that and then maybe there happens to be a booth in the background uh, where people are raising money for a particular cause. We would have coded that as an instance that we saw. Uh, we coded even bumper stickers, uh, so visual instances. Um, you know, so a lot of those activities where it really just wasn't brought to the forefront, but we're glad that it, it shows up. If we go to the next slide, uh, this is just another example. Uh, this is Black Ink Crew, and there were just some fantastic episodes. I'm not going to talk about them in detail at all because uh, we're going to have a video, but again, this show has really wrapped these themes uh, kind of into the episodes and the storylines. And, you know, there was one episode where in this community in Harlem, um, you know, this, um, the main character who runs the tattoo shop um, is, his rent is going to get up. And it, it actually involves this whole conversation that happens about gentrification and how this is happening in this black community. And they're able to engage in, you know, protest behavior and those types of elements. Um, and there's another episode, too, where they are involved very actively in a get-out-the-vote campaign. So, again, right into the narrative. We can go to the next slide, please. Okay. So this one I have up, A Million Little Things. And this is actually where we think, what I'm about to talk about next, is there are really some tremendous opportunities. because. Although we didn't find a lot of civic engagement actual behaviors, what we found is there are tons of conversations going on about civic issues, social issues, and they're very contemporary. And so we actually coded, well, when these conversations come up, what do they talk about? And we could actually see what you know, rose to the top in terms of the highest frequencies. And these are you know, racial justice, racism, immigration-related concerns, immigration experiences, um, healthcare types of inequities come up, disparities, lots around gender um, in terms of issues um, around people feeling discriminated against, so gender, sexuality, gender violence, um, genocide came up, so all of these you know, types of issues that uh, many are concerned about. So, it left us on the research team when we talked about it feeling actually very inspired because these conversations are coming up and it's an indicator to us that audiences are interested, um, creators are interested in doing this and we feel like it's an opportunity that maybe if we can maybe get some more civic engagement showing how these characters instead of you know being concerned about their problems and we see that reflected, actually then taking the next step and kind of trying to change their situation um, through working through our representative democracy. Uh, so I am going to stop there, uh, but I look forward to hearing questions later on. Thanks so much, Paula. And we'll have much more on that uh, again coming up soon. I would love to, to toss it to you, Melvin, to talk about from a scripted perspective, some of the storylines that you've cultivated, that you've developed, that have a civic angle, what was that like? What were those challenges um, and how you went about it? Well, we, if I remember correctly, in a minute, but uh, in 2015, I think it was the third season of Fresh Off the Boat, we started this season like shooting in Taiwan and we had the, it was a big episode about like the family going back to where, you know, uh, their family's from and, you know, sort of like um, reconciling, like immigrating to America, all that stuff, right? And 
the continuation of that idea for the rest of the season was I, Jessica was going to become a U.S. citizen, and that was going to be bigger because she's, you know, obviously she wasn't a citizen yet, and, you know, that led to a conversation about just participating in government and mainly voting, because it was 2015 leading up to that election. And that all started, um, actually, David, do you know a guy named Brad Jenkins? Brad, uh, I, he probably worked at the White House same time as you. But um, he's a good buddy of mine, and he was saying at the time with Fresh Off the Boat, you should use this. And he was giving me um, the numbers on AAPIs and, uh, and their voting records and just like the numbers of people who actually participate. And it was quite low. So we saw that as an opportunity, um, Nanachika Khan and I, to like see if there was something that we could do about it. And which led to like a dinner where we were talking about our parents and how our parents just never voted, even though my, you know, parents were naturalized citizens and they could. And I think part of it was both feeling like it didn't matter as well as it's not for them, you know. Um, you know, the, the sort of Asian American stereotype of like don't make waves, don't, you know, just keep your head down and work. And so that kind of affected their whole outlook. And so we pursued a storyline where she would become a citizen and participate and vote and be an American, because that was the overall theme of the show, you know. Um, and I think it ended up working pretty well because it was so specific and it wasn't about any political leanings. It was just like be a part of it, you know. And um, I'm actually proud of that storyline that season. Like it's um, since then, I've, my mother has voted, so that's pretty good. I got one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there are other instances. I, I think you know. I don't. I made a show for one season called um, "The Grinder" with Rob Lowe, where he was a, a TV lawyer and you know came home to drive his brother crazy. Um, if we had had a second season, we really wanted Rob to run for mayor of the town. Like we had talked about it. We, we even like, and and um, you know Rob's uh, uh, you know a Republican, and we were talking about just like Ronald Reagan, and we were just like messing around with bits about like. You know the the joke of like an actor becomes president and he's going to be an actor who becomes a mayor and we were like um, there was like this one photo of Reagan in like a cowboy hat we even like spoofed it in preparation for the season but it never happened so but that would have been great so I mean that's kind of where we go with it right we we start with like the idea of something like that we put it through the point of view of our characters and um, specific you know, uh, needs of the show and figure out how to, um, you know, portray something good out of it, you know, or helpful. I wouldn't say good, you know. Quick follow-up question. For your writer's room, was that the first time they were able to bring those kind of stories into the room when you brought that? Um, specifically for Fresh Off the Boat, I think it was the first time. Like, it was, um, you know, we, we had a pretty mixed writer's room, but it was never... Nobody in the, in the room had ever written a story about um, you know an, an Asian woman naturalizing or like you know becoming a citizen or participating you know so that was cool. Yeah, what's missing when you see TV storylines? What would you like to see represented given what you do? Absolutely. Well, bef before I answer your question, yes. 
I do want to say um, we are South Asian, and I did show my mom that episode from Fresh Off the Boat, and she did vote in the 2020 elections. <laughs> so you got two. <laughs> um, but I, you're right. I, I think shows like Fresh Off the Boat and Speechless and so many are, you know, they, they come on the air, and people like me who are, who are so, have gotten themselves so civically engaged um, get very excited. And then one thing I notice is they, they just seem to roll off the air pretty quickly for whatever reason. I'm, you know, I'm not a Hollywood person. I don't know why, but I know as a citizen, we get, we get pretty discouraged because we get all excited and get everyone involved and tell people to watch. And then, um, and then it just, it rolls off the air. One, one thing I'm watching now, which is really exciting, is uh, Mr. Mayor, because the chief of staff is actually also South Asian. So I, I love to watch and, and see, and, and I'm like, yes, I, I feel the same way as her. Um, we don't get to see, at least, you know, for someone who looks like me, we don't, there's more now, but um, we don't get to see a lot of people who look like us on television um, in these roles. Usually when you see these roles of civic engagement or people doing the work, or like you said, how they said, um, you step back, I'll go, I'll go take care of this matter for you. Um, that, that's, that's what's ingrained in us, is that um, we, we quietly say this to someone else and let, let them take it over. You know, So someone like me who's brown it shouldn't be in these roles. We shouldn't be advocating for what we need or what our community needs. And that's, that's where the gaps are. That's, it's interesting that you had said that um, white men <clears throat> are usually what's portrayed to be the advocates, I learned how to ad, you know, advocate for my community from, from a black woman. Um, she taught me everything that I need to know. Our, our AAPI community, and you touched on this a little bit, um, we're, a, lot, a lot of the community are new immigrants, first generation, and very scared to rock the boat. And, and I don't blame my parents for not wanting to do that. I mean, my parents came here for what they considered a better life. and. Um, you know, and they take everything they have. You know, my dad came here with $5 in his pocket. Um, and so he thinks that everything, he, he believes that everything he has, you know, he had to work hard for because he kept his head down and he shouldn't rock the boat because he's scared that it'll, it'll go away very quickly. Um, for someone like me who's been in this country, we, we're asking for more. We want more. We want to see more of ourselves on television. We want to see more of ourselves in these leadership roles. And people aren't going to imagine us here if we're not seeing ourselves in these civic stories. I mean, I see Asian people who step up and run for office every day. I have a really good friend who's running in San Antonio. She said, as an AAPI woman, um, she's the nominee. She said, they, they just don't take me seriously. She said, I have to work twice as hard to, to get noticed for people to donate money, for people to take me seriously in this, you know, in this leadership position to be able to work at the Capitol. And I really believe that the way that we get leadership in this country that looks actually like the population is through media and through TV and through these civic stories. Um, the Asian demographic in Texas is the fastest growing demographic um, and the second highest in the country. And the fact of the matter is, we, I think we only have one Asian representative at the Capitol at this time and maybe two Asian um, chiefs. So this is, this is not representative of our democracy. And I, I truly believe that we get there through these stories and through the media. Um, to anyone who wants to take this, you know, good stories always have surprises in them. And I think any of us that have been involved in, in politics or government have I been mean, I would want to jump onto what she's saying. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of both, and it goes hand in hand. Like, 
we remember, I think it coincided correctly, Barack Obama is elected and then Dennis Haysbert is the president on 24, I think, right? Is that what it is? Or am I mixing up my shows? But it, it's, I think when we see that in life, like we uh, tend to want to reflect it, but I, I, I do hear what you're saying where like, we could do the same on, uh, on the media side, like put the idea out there and it happens. And I, I uh, yeah, I, I think it, it's, um, we both have to, from you know, reality and the media side or actual sort of civic leaders, uh, we need each other to actually make it work. And I was in DC a couple weeks ago um, and I, I met Michelle Wu, the mayor of Boston, and Aftab Purvel, the mayor of Cincinnati. And I had a moment where like, you know, like the mayor is head dancing, right? So like you're just used to like, you know, powerful white men mayors on TV and everything. And I remember meeting them and thinking like, well, you two are pretty cool and badasses. And, you know, Michelle was telling me about how she like, you know, was on the city council and it was the first time, obviously the first time an Asian American woman won, but also just like somebody who wasn't like from Boston or just had some sort of like Irish route to the city which I thought was like amazing and same thing with Aftab. So, I, you know, I left that thing kind of inspired and thinking like, well, is there an idea for something like this? You know, not literally, but like, you know, uh, just the point of view um, for me changed in a really good positive way. Yeah. Right. Um, so just, just to ask, what are some of the big surprises about voting, working in government? that you all have run into in your work? Pooja, if you want to start. I can start, because I have so many. <laughs> um, well, uh, so I, you know, started at the Capitol about a year ago. The, the day that I started was <laughs> actually the day that the Democrats broke, broke quorum. I don't know if everyone read about that in the news. When they, oh, everyone read about it, okay. Um, great audience. Um, when the Texas Democrats, so I, re I remember I walked um, into the Capitol on July 12th, and I walked in, and um, nobody was there. And uh, <laughs> my husband texted me, and he said, did you just make everyone run away to DC? And I, I said, what are, what are you talking about? And so I, that was the day they broke quorum. And um, so anyway, so it's been about a year. And uh, I would be surprised. I, I, I think some of the surprises for me were, um, you know, the, a lot of times, again, I, I'm the only one, you know, there's not a lot of people of color at the Capitol. It's, there's not a lot of staffers for people of color. And, you know, I think part of, part of government is, frankly, it's purposeful. You know, we don't pay a lot to government employees. So you need to either have a partner who's earning or, you know, be able to live um, in a lifestyle where you are not getting paid that much to work many, many hours. Um, it's hard to have a child in those jobs and, and it's purposeful, you know, it's purposeful. To me, it's purposeful to put these barriers up to keep certain communities not civically engaged. And um, it, it shouldn't be a surprise, but it was. I think one of the biggest surprises I ever had in, in politics itself is, I remember attending a fundraiser for an elected official um, I was very nervous. It was, you know, at their fancy penthouse in, in one of the apartments down here. And I got there, and um, everyone looked at me, and, you know, three people said, what are you doing here? And two people said, uh, who's watching your child? And I, and I said, you know, I've, I've got a partner. I mean, I'm not leaving a baby home alone. I'm not that ridiculous. Um, at least not that I know of. 
And, uh, you know, and, and I realized, and, um, and I looked around again, and I, and, I, and I talked to the campaign manager, and I said, <clears throat> I said, this is a fundraiser at a penthouse in a very fancy hotel. And I said, what are you doing to outreach to other communities? And they said, well, we, we put these fundraisers everywhere. So I said, well, give me a shot. And so I did a fundraiser at an Indian restaurant over um, in, up in North, the North area where a lot of the Asian community lives. And we called all of them and we, we did it a little bit lower donor. And they said to date, um, this is the mayor of Austin, his second term. And they said to date, that was the most number of new donors that they had ever had at a fundraiser just because they got out of their shell and they went into a different area of town and started reaching different communities. And, and that's what we need to be asking from our leadership. We need to, we need to um, take away the surprises. We need, we need to get to a point where we're not feeling surprised anymore. We need to ask them to start going into different areas of town and engaging people. Um, I agree. My parents all the time say, why should I vote? My vote doesn't matter. I mean, I swear the only reason my mom votes is because I told her that anyone can look up her voter file now and see... Um, see that she, whether she voted or not. She's very angry by this, by the way, and wants me to put a law in next, next term to take that away. But, but truly, I, I think there's a feeling of why bother? You know, we, we live in Texas or we live in the United States. You know, our vote doesn't matter. And it does. Everything matters from the speed bump to the school board, you know, elections to whether your child wears a mask at school to, to gun violence. I mean, these things matter. And we, we really need to work every single day to make sure people know it matters. Um, I think I told you on the phone, and it's funny that um, Ivy Lee's here because she was actually the comedian that I had mentioned who came to my birthday to talk about politics, but <laughs> um, for, my, for my birthday, um, I, you know, I called 60 women to my house and you know, they said, what are we doing for our birthday? And I said, oh, it's just gonna be so much fun, just come. And of course they came and I had big vote letters in gold and um, BDRs there, and they were just like, oh my God. And I had Ivy League there who, who um, kind of told jokes around politics, and everyone thought it was amazing. Thank you. But um, I, I said, if you're not registered to vote, all I want for my birthday is register to vote and go vote in the next election. And um, at, we checked, and everyone was registered, and they all promised to vote, and I told them I can check. Um, <laughs> but it's little things like that. It's, it's putting this engagement and these little nuggets of engagement around the community. We have to get out of the norm, because we are never going to move forward as a country if, we, if we're not doing that. Thanks. Those are great, great examples. Any others people wanted to raise? We can go on. I mean, I could just add on to that, because, of course, as you're talking, I'm thinking about how it links to the, the research that we saw. And I think, um, you know, one of the points I wanted to make is that, you know, you can make a difference with one show, but we know that we need to get, you know, more creators to actually do this because uh, some of the effects of, you know, when we look at uh, research around stereotypes that people have, et cetera, you know, it's not the one show where they kind of see some negative stereotype. It's the pattern overall of images over time. It's that we're predominantly seeing white men and we're not seeing other people. And then it's also that, you know, when we do see people of color sometimes, you know, they end up not being the person who's empowered. Somebody is, you know, helping them. Or, you know, worse, they're criminalized in, in certain types of character roles, et cetera. And so um, it really is like the, the overall patterns that uh, we need to shift. 
I have a question about audience, because one of the cool things about this festival is that it brings audience and industry together. We've seen certain shows that went off the air and the audience brings them back. We've heard stories of, Melvin, I'm sure you can appreciate this, you pitch a show and a network goes, but people don't want to see that. They're not interested in those kinds of stories. What role does audience play in sort of the participation of showing these are stories that people are interested in and they are entertaining and they are engaging where we sort of get around this idea of like, people don't want to deal with serious stuff. How do we show audiences like this? And these stories can also be fun. This doesn't have to be the most serious thing. There's comedy in that as you, you did in Fresh Off the Boat another series? I, I think the word is, um, at least for me, and the things I work on, um, authenticity. You know, a level of authenticity to whatever you're trying to do. And I'm not saying that, like, everything has to be serious, because I, I work on a lot of comedies. But, like, I think the point of view, which is usually where I start with anything, um, whether it's a show or a movie or a story that we're telling, like, I think you have to be authentic to that point of view. You know, and I think the audience um, engages when that's the case. And in this day and age, when there's just so much stuff to watch, like, you know, you can, I don't work for Netflix, but you can literally go on Netflix and go down a hole for like an hour on what to watch without picking anything. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing. So I think, what's that? I said that your hour to watch is yeah, over. I know. It's just like, I, I thought I could watch a show. But, um, but I, I think the authentic, for, you know, show producers like me, it starts at that place. And when you use that as your guiding light, your show has a better shot of cutting through the clutter because I do think the audience is smarter than a lot of um, people in my business, myself included at times, like give them credit for, you know. And I think, um, you know, and that's what, you know, brings some shows back or, you know, uh, other times there are other, there are a million variables for like where, when shows like disappear or when they um, survive and come back or, you know, I, I've been a part of it where, you know, I, I don't think, I think by and large the majority of the shows I've worked on were passed on at some point in what's in one stage, it was rejected. And you just have to stick with it and find the right place for it. And sometimes it gets rejected after it comes out and then, you know, yeah. But if you stick to that one guiding light from the beginning, you, f you will eventually figure out a place for it and you'll get it out. I know we wanted to leave time for audience questions. Do you yeah. wanna have to, does anyone in the audience have a, we have a bunch of other questions to ask, but we do wanna make sure we leave space for, yes? Portraying the civic leaders as idiots, which has been the kind of the trend in the last couple of years, has affected the civic movement. The representations are really important. So you're, you're right, you do see these like the bumbling, right, idiot, or, or it's also um, corruption. So uh, we did on some of these civic leaders, uh, we had our coders um, put in adjectives that they would describe the person's character traits as, and we gave them some ideas. And uh, when you see negative portrayals of civic leaders, it often is like dishonesty, corruption, um, foolish, we did see some of those adjectives, um, incompetent, um, and so uh, we, we saw quite a few of those presentations, actually I would say, you know, we see roughly just as many positive portrayals 
as we see negative ones like that. Um, so it would be great to see uh, more positive ones of people who are competent and trustworthy as most of our government officials are. Yeah. yeah. Do you think part of the reason for that, just to follow up, is the assumption that that is more entertaining? That we assume it's more fun to watch someone be more corrupt than... Yeah, I mean, I think some of it is obviously you have the protagonist, right, right and the antagonist, and kind of the storytelling devices and, and all of that. Um, and, you know, possibly, you know, as I think you were mentioning, you know, you're your work reflects what's going on in society, right? Yeah. And people, you know, do have some concerns yeah. about politicians. And, you know, when something negative does happen in the media, kind of in the real world, right, we hear about those instances so much more than we hear about the positive ones. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I can't say, because I'm not on the creator side, but to, there might be an impression that there's uh, I, a taste for it. Yeah, I, I think you're right, all those things factor into it. I was, it's funny, I was talking about this with somebody a while ago. Like, I remember just being obsessed with West Wing when it came out, like, years ago. I was just completely, I binged the whole thing. And then that sort of um, romantic Aaron Sorkin world went away, <laughs> like, like, his Camelot went away. And then you had shows like um, House of Cards, which I was also obsessed with, and, uh, and Veep, which I loved. And I remember I was talking to somebody, and I was like, you know, those were better ideas, like, around 2008, right. 2012, and then, you know, the world changes, and now you're looking at it from 22, you're like, maybe not as good of an idea? I don't know. <laughs> like, but, Or yeah. how did it shape 22? What's that? Right? How much of us having watched that yeah. shaped 22? Yeah, and yeah is part of the reason for it. Yeah. I'm sorry, Pooja, you were gonna... I was just gonna say, they never make the chiefs look like bumbling idiots. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> well, I have a, and I'm sorry, did you have a question? I just wanted to ask you, Pooja, because I think one of the myths of corruption and all of that is more entertaining, is potentially combated by someone who does this real work, and just doing the real work is probably entertaining. This mm -hmm. just, we don't know. Yeah. Do you have thoughts about if you're like, if you had a camera in my office, you would crack up? Because I'm sure, or not. <laughs> it's, it's, so to be honest, I think that there is so much that happens every day. Um, a representative said a quote the other day, which I think that represents the, the Capitol in Texas very well. It's, um, it's very hard to, to legislate when we're constantly putting out fires. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that, yes, we do need some entertainment in the office because, frankly, that's the only way that we can deal with our jobs. Um, right now, one thing, my representative that I work for is, is really strong on, on gun reform. And um, so we've been getting calls after calls on, on both sides of the aisle about this. And, um, yes, we, we need a little bit of, because I had two staffers that were, frankly, you know, last week taking phone calls and then their moms and they were hanging up and crying, you know? Um, so our Capitol Grill shut, the, the restaurant in the Capitol, and it's been kind of a joke because we, we have nowhere to eat except the vending machines right now. And so the Capitol Grill was opening. And so, you know, it's like entertainment the next day. Right. They opened up and we went for ice cream. And I know that feels kind of silly with, with what's going on, but truly there's, there's no way to deal with all this. Um, 
unless you are able to kind of keep it uplifting. And me as the chief, I'm, I'm, I'm always there and trying to keep that entertainment going because like you said, you, you need a little laughter in order to, to keep things going. Um, I will say this morning we did a media interview with um, the victims of Uvalde and um, in, in the memorial outside the Capitol at the Texas Capitol right there on 11th and Congress. And um, a lot of the press keep asking us like, what can we do, what can we do? And, and what we keep saying is, is keeping these stories going. We need to keep these civic stories going. Um, these things can't just be you know, a week or two weeks or even just three weeks of, of media and then it dies down and going on to the next thing. These civic stories, you know, in, in every way, shape and form need to need to keep going. Um, we really, we really need you all to help us with that because, I mean, there's only so much that we can do in the Capitol, but, but we need everyone to pull together. Any other I'm, questions? I guess thinking about scripted content, once we bring the positive representations of civic engagement into a fictional show, even if we do that, what do we do when that hits up against audiences who are, say, just dogmatically opposed to the politics of the characters in that show? I think there's a, you know, uh, yeah, there's an opportunity, is the word I'm looking for, um, to sort of illustrate both sides, right? I mean, I know there's the West Wing, which is like, you know, sort of liberal Cinderella, you know, uh, crazy Camelot story, right? But I think there's an opportunity for uh, a show about the other side, right? Or the other side of the aisle or another point of view in politics. And I think, um, you know, someone should develop that and, and, and make it. Uh, it. It's, I don't think it has to be encapsulated in one show, you know? If, um, I don't know, just off the top of my head, if you want to make a show about a Republican governor or, or red state governor, you should. That That's, you know, there, there's nothing to uh, stop you from doing that. And you don't have to put everything in, in, in one show. Um, but that being said, like, the things that I've sort of done in, on our shows, I've looked for a way to, to not, you know, because I, I have friends on, with various political leanings. And I think the, the thing that I found, especially on Fresh Off the Boat, was you want everybody to participate, no matter what their, you know, opinions are or their leanings are. So um, I think there's room for a show that does that, and I think there's, a show, there's room for shows that pick a side or pick a point of view or whatnot, you know? Um, yeah, I think it's all on the table. I, I just add there's, a, I think, a lot of politics that is very local, a lot of government, a lot of public service that's very local. There can be some politics, but a lot of it to me is just how do people use power how do they serve their communities? And can we have different models than the ones that we've been seeing? Um, so I, I think there are ways to approach it uh, that don't necessarily become partisan right away. I think it would be nice actually to see people having, you know, civil dialogue the, about issues, especially, you know, with the, with the climate now, it would be helpful. I think there's one more question here. I, so I, I spent 20 years in local government, um, and I think that there are a lot more diverse stories to tell, um, not from the leadership level, but from the level of government that actually engages with people. And, you know, it is kind of the 80-20 rule, like 80% 80, 80 of the government you get, you consume, is really your roads, water system, things that people engage with, with without seeing a face to it. 
Um, but the people that make all of that work, and I, Pooja, you, you've probably seen this, right, are not necessarily the policy decision makers, but they're the people that sit in the office and, you know, have the kind of tropes thrown around about them constantly that, you know, how many city workers take change of light bulb and those kinds of things. But, but in all honesty, like, local government does have a much more diverse set of people working for it than just simply the people who are leading it. And, you know, I think I thought Parks and Rec was actually kind of good at this. Um, it's a silly way to represent it, but in some ways a much more authentic way to represent it. And I'm just curious, like, you know, how much of that do y'all see in the industry, like a desire to tell that type of story? It, a little bit, it's like, never worked at a restaurant, you're never going to understand how a restaurant works. And I think the same thing is true about government. I'll say real quick, one thing, so we've been doing workshops with script writers, and we have a spreadsheet of all the different kinds of civic leaders there can be, and a lot of them, most of it are these types of roles. Um, and it's been fun to have writers say, oh wow, I didn't realize this character that I have actually is a civic leader. Never thought of that position as being that. And then you suddenly have all these choices you can be making about that character that also represent public service and these, these bigger questions uh, that we're talking about. So I, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. But like you say, people just don't even think of that as being part of this, part of these civic stories. I mean, I can say that I was glad in the study that we actually saw a lot of different leaders. Like I said, we didn't see many leaders, but when we saw them, they were across the different levels of government, local, state, up through federal. I, I thought we'd see a lot more federal, but it wasn't as um, pronounced as I would have thought. And, you know, these episodes that I showed as examples are very local. I mean, what you're saying is just a great workplace comedy, you know? And I, and I think um, there's always an appetite for those. Um, it's just really idea-dependent, you know? Um, the mayor is a great workplace comedy, and. And, um, you know, you have Ted Danson as mayor of LA, great. You know, you can see that. I think if there's um, something about another, you know, um, office in, in local or national or state government, we'd be all over it. It's all mainly idea dependent, yeah. We're getting the wrap up sign now, I think. So does anybody have any final words they want to share? And then. Uh... Wrap things up. I have one thing. I never put up my last slide, which is where you can get our full report on June 13th. So you can go to the Center for Media and Social Impact, and we have a web path. Thank okay. you so much for joining. Thank you. I am. Thank you, panel. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. You have been listening to the TV Campfire podcast, hosted by ATX TV co-founders Emily Gibson and Caitlin McFarland, and produced and edited by Sarah Light. This conversation was recorded live at ATX TV Festival Season 11 in Austin, Texas, between June 2nd and 5th, 2022. For more information on the festival and becoming an ATX TV member, follow us at ATX Festival or visit atxfestival.com.